you should try organic. What about becoming vegan? Don't eat any carbs. How about low carb? Paleo, keto, don't eat anything white. Don't forget about the dirty dozen. You eat too little. You eat too much. Don't forget to fast before you work out. I do intermittent fasting. Don't eat after six o'clock. Oh my God, sugar? Every day, I'm inundated with opinions. And you know what they say about opinions. Please, don't be foodish. Join me, Amy Goldsmith, owner of Kinder Nutrition and Wellness and Dietitian for 20 years, as I talk evidence-based nutrition to get the disorder out of eating. I can't wait to serve you. Hello, everybody. This is Amy Goldsmith from Don't Be Foodish, and I am happy to have our co-host, Kim Kovala, with us here today. Hey, Amy. I'm excited for this talk. Yes, yes. So so this is a big talk. I'm going to tell everybody right from the get-go that we know it's going to be two parts. Uh, and we did go back and forth on whether we were going to have guests. We had a lot of people reach out who were really interested in talking to this. And what we decided to do is actually just take information from folks who had information to provide to us and keep it with just Kim and I uh, to kind of talk from there. So uh, we hope that this is going to stir up lots of conversation uh, we know it could stir up lots of emotions, so um, kind of uh, take a take a seat and and let's get ready to rumble, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the accessibility play gap in sports. Um, you know what it is and how we feel it's influenced our mental health culture. Um, so as you are listening to this, you are probably a parent, you may be an athlete, you may be a coach, you may be somebody who um, is working in the school district. Kim and I are saying we do not know what the answer is, um, mm -hmm. but we do feel like this is something that needs to be talked about because we are seeing it all over the country. And Kim and I see this as uh, one of the uh, larger contributing factors for our patients. Yeah, and I'm really excited to go into this, Amy, because I'm kind of conflicted, right? As like a past athlete in high school, having, you know, I have three siblings who all did collegiate rowing, like, so I have that aspect um, to take into consideration. But yeah, I, I kind of found myself conflicted thinking about my past experiences, but also where mental health is now in our country. Um, so I'm curious, you know, to see where our conversation takes us today. Absolutely. And I think just to put this in perspective, Kim and I are talking from dietitian, therapist. I know Kim is also an athlete. That's how we met. Uh, and I also have an experience in, um, I've coached soccer and lacrosse. I have been way more involved in travel baseball than I have wanted to be um, <laughs> to the point where, you know, my husband coached and we even set up our own team. Uh, so, and I have uh, children who are uh, both going to be in high school next year. So kind of some personal experience as well. So I, I'm kind of marrying all those experiences and it, it does, it is kind of conflicting sometimes. So, yeah. And, you know, with my kids, they're all younger, so we haven't entered into that um, yet, or maybe we won't, who knows what the future holds. But yeah, I was also thinking about it from like a parent's perspective too, as I'm maybe preparing for 
a life of athletics in our family. So oh, yes, oh, get ready. Yay. <laughs> so, so before we talk about this, we're going to actually rewind a little bit. And I remember this so clearly. So this is back in uh, maybe December, 2015. So in 2015, I was about five years into um, owning Kendra Nutrition and did have a lot of obviously a lot of teens and high school students, because um, I was still working in the sports nutrition realm, obviously. And I remember getting word of this and reading in the paper about the freshman sports cut. And immediately I was nervous about this as a provider, because I had so many kids that I was working with in uh, the high schools. <clears throat> and I already had been dealing with lots of kids who had either been cut or not had the best experience with their high school sports. And, and all I could think of was, oh no, we're gonna even take uh, more opportunity away from the kids. I'll preface to say, I'm not sure what the right answer is. I grew up, I mean, I'm in my mid forties. So I grew up and we did have junior high sports, freshman sports, junior varsity and varsity. So that's what I knew and what I experienced. So, as I kind of reacquainted myself with this, I know at the time, uh, FCPS specifically, and I know Carroll County and Montgomery County were also going through this, were short uh, by $27 million with their budget. And so they were looking at ways to cut, um, to cut things. At that time, only football and basketball, I believe, had freshman sports. And by cutting the freshman sports, they were able to save about 59 and some change thousand dollars. So it, it allowed them to save $60,000 about to their $27 million that they were short, which kind of sounds <laughs> weird to me, but you know, anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think they had about 2000 signatures to really kind of try to keep uh, freshman sports. And the result was, from my understanding, that the each school could then decide who was going to keep, keep freshman sports. The caveat was, if you kept your freshman sport, um, the freshman who played would have to pay $125 over the $90 at that time. So it would be $215 for that sport. Um, and I do know that the principal at the time for Urbana, for example, says he would absolutely not do that because he felt like doing that would separate the haves versus the have nots. So I would like to applaud that. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's hard to take a stand like that. Um, I can understand that. And it looks like um, it affected 500 students overall. And I do have that number. So it looks like it saved uh, the school district 59356 so it saved that much to the $27 million that they were short and it affected 500 students. Wow. So yeah. That's a lot of students. Yeah. And I mean, really, when you look at the, the $27 million and the 59, I just know, I remember when I was in sales, you know, if I had presented that to my, um, my vice president as the way to kind of cut it kind of would have been laughable. So hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, they found a way to culminate other things to, to get to their budget. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that was in 2015. I think since then, um, let's see, in 2015, so that was about eight years ago. So my kids were about six and seven. And I know that 
there's been a lot of um, club sports, travel sports that have kind of come up since then, right? And I think it, it's, it gives people an opportunity to play a sport outside of their school if it's not offered um, and it comes with a hefty price. Right. I was just thinking, well, how much does that cost? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so when we look at the research, I believe, and this is still uh, laughable to me too, in 2022 nationally, the average sport cost for one sport per season. So outside of like your school, it's about $883 wow. um, per year. And I can tell you without a doubt, we pay two to three times more than that sometimes for some of the sports with my kids. So um, I think that that's probably on the lower end. 24% of people um, ages six through 12 in a home under a 25,000 annual salary are able to play these sports because obviously because of the, the finances and then 40% in a home of an annual salary of $100,000 are able to play. So I mean, again, we're kind of at that haves versus the have nots, right? Yeah, absolutely. You have to have disposable income to be able to invest in these sports. And um, yeah, I can't imagine the ripple effect that that has. Yeah, for those kids whose families aren't able to afford it. Right. Because you don't even, you take into consideration, you know, that amount of money. And then if you're traveling, you have hotels and you have gas. Oh, Yeah you know, all in, in all of that and food. And, you know, that is all just actually skyrocketed since COVID, yeah. right? Yeah. Or even parents having to take time off of work to be able to travel and to do that. And um, wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The next interesting thing is that after COVID, three of about three out of every 10 sports teams had to either close or they had to merge or they now had to exist with another club just because of the inability to thrive during COVID. I mean, we saw that here at Kindred Nutrition, really our sports nutrition folks really kind of decreased because we just weren't doing things uh, during COVID, obviously from a, that safety perspective. Um, so now you have even, um, so you grew from a travel um, or club team and then now you potentially have less teams, right? So like the competition gets harder um, mm -hmm. when you're trying to make these teams, but ultimately I feel like this has set up this situation where children are having different sport experiences because of finances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, and then we take into consideration, there's few sports that are offered in middle school, at least at FCPS. Um, and then when we look at high school, I mean, just think about some of the teams like basketball doesn't really need a lot of people. So you could have 50, 60, 75 kids trying out for, I don't know how many people they take, maybe 10 to 13 10? or so. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I think that that has led to at least what we see in our office. We see that a lot of kids are really not getting that high school experience anymore with sports. And mm -hmm. we see that that does affect our kiddos um, negatively from a mental health perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, yeah. And Amy, I, I just asked because I'm not as aware, right? So what about the kids who don't make the high school team, 
yet they're not able to afford or or they maybe don't know about the opportunities of club sports. I mean, are there ample recreation sports available in our community that like, yeah, what about like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I know that in Frederick County, we do have the big Luya organization and I do know that they do have scholarships. Uh, I'm not sure how much the community knows about that. And I don't know how many scholarships are given out. Uh, I do know that there's lots of programs within the YMCA as well. Um, You know, I think it's just such an individual experience for everybody because still for those situations, you still need somebody to be able to drive you to the practices and you, you know what I mean? Um, and, And I even found we did do a lot with the Luya organization but I even found like, as you know, our years went on, it was like, okay, well, we're paying like for cheerleading, for example, like we're paying this fee for cheerleading. And like, now you also do have to buy these clothes before you get the, um, their uniforms in. And it was just kind of, you know, there's kind of things that change. So mm-hmm. I think there are opportunities out there, but I think it's so individualized on what people are really able to do. Cause in addition yeah. to the costs, you know, um, I, you know for some of the games we do have to travel like pretty far um mm-hmm. you know so so we have to take all those things into consideration mm-hmm. so i mean i i go back and forth right like i feel like it is it can be the the haves versus the have-nots i think you know we could look at pros and cons right so if we look at travel or we look at um club i do think there are some pros i think um usually usually there's um more skilled coaching you uh Hmm. they they're they're paid um hopefully they're not parents um sometimes they are um there is uh, you know more competition sometimes and you know different experiences you know just because uh there's more money that's put in uh to the organizations you may play um you know better fields or yeah um, and that sort of thing yeah, they're able to travel, right? And to go to different cities and kind of experience yes. maybe what the cities have to offer. But yes, that costs money to do yes. that. Yes. I think the cons are, I mean, it's extremely expensive. It can become exclusive. It's time consuming, you know, all the things. Um, yeah. So, so I feel like if you're listening here, you know what your family is able to do, right? Some people that are listening here say, you know, we've decided to do the club and the travel, regardless of the cost, we feel like it's a better experience, um, or, you know, we have the ability to do that. And I know there's probably a lot of people on here who are, you know, listening and saying like, there's no way we could, we could afford that. And we want to be able to provide that for our kid, but we can't. hmm and I think that's where the yeah. play gap, gap comes. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, Amy, I mean, thinking I have three kids, right? So it's not just you're paying for one child, but how are you managing the cost and the travel for, you know, multiple children within a family? Yeah, that, uh, that sounds really difficult. Yeah, yeah. So now we move into, you know, middle school. I think that they have basketball for middle school. I'm not sure what other sports they have. Um, You know, it's different for everybody. But now we move into high school and we have the high school sports and we have all the folks um, trying out for these sports. And we have those who are on travel and club and we have those who haven't had the opportunity. Now, I will say 
it does not always mean that the people that are on travel and club are the better athlete, right? Mm-hmm. That, 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 does not, that is not the case. Um, however, when we get to high school, we now have such a smaller opportunity to make that team that we are finding now more than ever that we're having more cuts than we ever have. And I think that is where um, lie ins the um, the mental health kind of outcomes of our of the folks that we work with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being cut from a sport in high school that could really change the trajectory of how you incorporate that sport for the rest of your life, or how somebody could feel about themselves for a very long time. So. Um, With that being said, I do find myself conflicted about the increase in cuts because I really think it depends on the resiliency of the child. And I think it depends on the support system, you know, who's kind of coaching them up. Um, If they are cut from a team, I think that those two factors could really determine how that child copes with that life experience. Um, because on one end, Amy, I do think it can be very harmful emotionally, right? Like, you know, this feeling of rejection, I'm not good enough. It can be a blow to their confidence. I know that in our last podcast, we were talking about the prefrontal cortex and how it's not fully developed. So I really think about our adolescent, you know, clients who are now set told, hey, you didn't make the team, how are they processing this information? Are they hearing it as you are not good enough, you are a failure, or are they processing it, again, depending on their real resiliency as, okay, this is an opportunity, like, what do I have control over in this situation to change the outcome? Do I need to practice more? Do I need to find a different sport? Do I want to do something that's not as much of a commitment, you know, maybe rec sport? So, I do think it definitely has the potential to be a very negative, long-lasting experience. Um, And I think it really depends on, again, the individual child, their resiliency, and like how their support system is talking to them about this. Right, right. Because I think, I mean, the pivotal thing here is, right, is our kids are moving into high school. And the goal is, is we want these young adults to reach a point of an independence that whatever they decide to do at 18, you know, 17, 19, whenever they're graduating from high school, that they are going to be able to, you know, reach their goals and feel pretty comfortable with it. Right. So I always tell our clients and my kids, you know, you are always going to experience this, right? Like you, if you don't like your coach or you don't feel like your coach is you know, the best fit for you, you will have a boss like this. You will mm-hmm. have a coworker like this. You will have a college professor like this. And, and, and exactly like you said, it's, it's kind of like, if you can allow yourself to believe this is going to be an experience that will help me grow, well, mm-hmm. that is exceptional. However, mm-hmm. I think that, again, without that prefrontal cortex, it's really hard to experience yeah. that and say, oh, and I'm going to grow from this. Right. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I think what you're talking about is you and your husband have made a decision, like, are you going to protect your children or are you going to prepare them mm-hmm. for, for life, right? And I really think 
there's one way we could go in this conversation about like protecting, but there's another way of like preparing them because there is going to be adversity in life. And, you know, not everyone is going to get a trophy and make the team and do all that stuff. So how do we like maturely prepare them for life, life's adversity? Um, and I don't say that on, on a judgment as of parents, right? Like parenting is really fucking hard. Like I absolutely speak from experience. I Uh totally validate that. But I think that's where we as parents, we have to like push ourselves to be emotionally mature, kind of step outside of ourselves to be able to show up for our kids and like prepare them for life. It's easier said than done, um, but it can be done. Absolutely. And I think that that's the tricky thing, right? Because when we see our kids hurting, it does become emotional for parents. Oh, of course. Yeah. Even if you do step away from that, you still have an emotional response to that. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the biggest feedback that I got from um, parents when I had posted on Facebook that we were going to be talking about this. We had a lot of people who really wanted to come on the podcast. And I felt like we would take that information and kind of talk about it here. So I think that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Is Mm -hmm. we can have an intelligent conversation about what's going on in the high school situation and preparing our kids. And at the same time, what's going on in the high school situation also may not uh, be kosher, right? So Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the fee- yeah, I think the feedback that we got a lot was, and also that I have experienced firsthand is that, you know, how we are setting things up in the high school um, may not allow for this objective uh, ability to assess players and choose who the best player will be for that team. Um, mm-hmm. I know that when we look at FCPS for sure, um, I know Montgomery County um, Public Schools and Carroll County Schools, you know, it's very time consuming to be a coach, right? And I know when the job is posted, I believe that preference is supposed to go to somebody within the organization. And then if a teacher or somebody within the organization um, is not interested, then it goes out to the public. And I think the feedback that I receive from most folks and the personal experience that I've had is a lot of these coaches then become maybe some people who were travel team coaches, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, And then a lot of parents, um, Mm -hmm. you know, volunteering their time. And I think the issue then becomes, does this person have the best experience to not only coach this team and assess who will be the best people on the team, but also have the conversations with the kids when they Mm -hmm. start trying out. Thank you for being here. This is how many spots we have. These are the metrics I'm looking for. And just really, Mm -hmm. you know, um, publicly announcing what those expectations are so we know that we're not having any of the shady shit that goes on. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, but I also think that that has to do with like an emotional maturity, right? And however these coaches are acquired or wherever you pull them from, 
are they emotionally mature enough to have those difficult conversations with adolescents and to be able to sit with like the child's feelings um, and still like coach them up and encourage them? Um, You know, it, it really, I don't know, it kind of makes me think ahead of like my children's and if they pursue my children and if they pursue athletics, like who is coaching them and like, what is their experience with the sport, but also with, with children and being able to talk in like a developmentally appropriate way and have open and honest conversations. Um, I guess I hadn't thought of it of like, what's their experience with, with kids though. Right. Not just the sport. Right. Well, and I think that that's what we find, right? Like we have, we have tons of, I mean, I'll just put it out there for, from an eating disorder perspective, we have tons of track stars, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, track is probably one of our biggest sports. We have lots of swimmers. Mm-hmm. Um, dance. dance. Yes. Yeah. We're soccer. Get, yes. We're starting to get a little bit more of a soccer lacrosse. Um, mm-hmm. and when I think of it, I think of almost everyone who we speak to had, um, processed some information in a way where it was hurtful and kind of triggered their desire to want to change who they are based off of negative feedback they got from, um, a coach. Would you agree with Mm -hmm. that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because again, like how are they processing the information and given where our society is with body comparisons and, you know, social media and comparing people on social media, like very easily children and adolescents jump to the conclusion, which is a cognitive distortion, but they jump to the conclusion that it's because of like, there's some deficit with their body. And if they change that, then the outcome would be different. Right. So yes, we see that all the time. And we take that into consideration that we harp over and over and over again, that the, the young adults that we see do not have a completed prefrontal cortex. And at the same time, I do think it would be a mistake for us not to appreciate also how smart they are. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, those kids that we see who know that they had the metrics that were needed for the team and they weren't chosen because um, they were not in the correct click or you know, mm-hmm. a coach's daughter's best friend or that sort of thing, sort of thing. So we take that blow into effect as well. And mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty confusing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you can do everything quote unquote, right. And still not make a team and not get the outcome that you want. And yeah, how as a child or adolescent, do you reconcile that? Um, it can be devastating. Absolutely. I also think about Amy, something that we've kind of touched on in other podcasts, um, you know, that CDC results and that study that came out in February of 2023, uh, 29% of respondents felt that they had poor mental health in the past 30 days, 42% felt sad or hopeless for the past two weeks to the point where it impacted their ability to do a task. And 57% of female students felt persistent sadness. Mm -hmm. So I throw those statistics out there because again, as a therapist, 
And and I'll acknowledge and own that like, I'm still kind of grappling with where I stand on this. Um, But from my therapist perspective, there is something going on for high schoolers and their mental health. And then, so that's already happening regardless of their participation in sports, you Mm -hmm. know? So it just, yeah, it does make me think about, it makes me feel weary, wary of what we're talking about and where their mental health is already at. Yeah. And I would say like, it, it doesn't necessarily even have to be just with high school sports. I know that I am really lucky to work with a lot of um, my creative uh, clients who are in band and theater. I mean, they work their tails off. They're just as active. And, you know, as I continue to work with this population, I am learning that the same thing is occurring um, you know, when it comes to theater and that sort of thing as well. So like you said, we already know that we have a mental health crisis, right? And um, now we also really need to be aware of what's occurring in the high school situation. And, you know, I like what you said, are we going to protect or prepare, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you know, as we move into high school, I do think we all want to be kind of gentle dolphins guiding our, <laughs> guiding our, <laughs> our, our children more to that preparation. And so I think it's really interesting that I, I'd like to see more parents maybe kind of take that into consideration and see, hey, we need to accept what's going on in the high school and we need to prepare our kids so that we can support them um, mm-hmm. and really help them understand that this may not be something they want or, mm-hmm. and this is a big, or, um, and I'm probably going to get people who are rolling their eyes or smiling very big. When I say this, um, it is time to accept that if you are a parent kind of pushing your kid towards these sports and that's your dream, it is time to accept that pushing towards that when your child doesn't want to do it is not the way to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, how many times have we met with someone, Amy, who felt that they were disappointing their parents in terms of like their sports and mm-hmm. whether they're performing or not? Um, and I get it, right? People are passionate about, you know, any extracurriculars, they can be very passionate about it. And parents, right? They have their own history with that sport or extracurricular, right? And if they had such a positive experience, they want their child to have the same positive experience. But I think naturally children and you know teenagers, they know what they wanna do and what they don't wanna do. So mm-hmm. as difficult as it is, parents taking that step back and allowing their ch- child to make that decision for themselves. You know, and yes, like sometimes do we have to, um, expose them to a wide variety of activities and see what they like. Yeah, sure. But like forcing them or like putting pressure on them that they have to stay in something that they don't really like, that's only going to create this um, people pleasing that we often see with our clients. Right. And it's a big deal. I mean, I volunteered to be a team mom for the uh, JV football team at our local high school this year. And I think um, gosh, I want to say they, they kept 60 to 70 people on that team. Right. And you think about that, right. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand, wow, there's a lot of people who aren't going to get playing time here. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so I could, I, I would say without a doubt, there's kids um, that were on that football team who were doing it for their parents. Um, I mean, it is a big commitment. You were at that school for 12 hours or so in the heat with all those pads on. Um, you know, so you have you have folks who who may be joining that because they feel like pressure from from their parents. You certainly have folks that are joining that because they played it since they were younger and they love it. Um, and, you know, they're not going to get any playing time. And then you have a select few who are going to be kind of coached and, you know, um, trained to kind of go on to varsity. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I think maybe football, at least in our county, is one of the teams where they keep a lot of folks. So you have less of a chance of being cut. Um, but I take a look at like basketball. I mean, small, the small teams, right? The basketball. Mm -hmm the baseball, the softball, um, all of those sorts of things. I think parents have a responsibility to kind of help their kids understand like what they want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh, you do want to play baseball next year? Let's start going to the games in middle school to see what that coach is like, who they recruit, what kind of positions they have. Um, mm -hmm. it, do you feel like this is a, uh, would be a fit for you? And if not, let's prepare, uh, beforehand to see, um, what we can do that will make you feel like you, um, are, are enjoying something that you want to do and that you're in the right fit. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You're exploring it. You're not pushing it on them. Right. And, you know, okay. You don't, you don't want to have, I mean, I don't know. I'm so out of sports right now, but like, right. You don't want to have a couple of games a week and practices a week and travel on weekends. You don't want to commit to that. That's fine. Let's look at what other options are available where it's not as much of a commitment, but you can still like go out and have fun with your friends and like play basketball. Right. right. Um, just giving them that flexibility that you don't have to like make varsity to play in college and then go pro. I mean, that's like, playing in college is like 1% of high school athletes. And then going on right. to the pros is 1% of college athletes. Like, right, let's, right. you know, yeah, prepare them. You don't want to be pessimistic, but you, right. I think you can find that balance of like preparing them of, you don't have to like be the best of the best. You can go out and like have fun, move your body and have a very positive experience. Yeah. And I think that that was some of the feedback that I did get from parents who had wrote it about this and said, you know, I knew that this was occurring and I became very active in the community and I would go to games and I would bring my kids. Um, and I started to ask questions. What's our high school like? What's the athletic director like? Does he go for experience when he's hiring somebody or is it their friends? And mm -hmm. what is the you know, if people make the team, you know, at this time, do they usually kind of retain them throughout the years? Um, you know, and I think that was great. I had other parents who wrote in and kind of gave me horror stories of what's going on in the high school. Um, and none of them were anything that I didn't already know about just because we've been working in this for so long. But, you know, it doesn't matter 
what I do. Um, you know, we know that this particular coach, um, you know, is, is going to take, you know, I don't know, this many people on the team and only really utilize this amount. And it's not an opportunity for them to get the training that they need to grow as an mm -hmm. individual. Um, and, you know, that becomes, I'll say the parents who wrote in about that, it, it was emotional. And, you know, I even kind of, my blood kind of boils while I'm hearing that too, because I, mm -hmm. I think about like when I coach, I mean, my kids were younger because I knew that I did not need to be coaching my kids when they were older. I mean, they need mm -hmm. to learn from other people. And also I didn't really have the experience to take them where they needed to be. Although mm -hmm. I can, like most coaches can't, I can run on the field with them for the entire time that I'm mm -hmm. coaching them. I'm in pretty <laughs> darn good shape. Oh, right. So, um, that's one of my pet peeves is, uh, when we have the coaches who are non-athletic, right. Um, I want to address something though, with that parent who wrote in, you know, I don't know the whole context of the story. This is just like my thought when I he heard you share that though, but the kids who don't get playing time though, how are parents reframing it for them? Because I think of the Chicago Bulls, right? You had right. like this wonderful team who won so many championships, but like the players who didn't get to play as often, they went up against the, the five starters, right? So right. it's like right. the, they made that team better. So are they talking about it in a positive way of like, okay, you're not getting as much playing time, but like you are who the starters practice against. You make them a better team. Is it a conversation like that that could have to happen? Pause. Is it a conversation like that that could really reframe that child's experience with that sport? Or is it, are they getting messages that you're a bench warmer, you're not good enough, you need to practice more? You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah. that's what comes to mind when I hear something like that. Yeah, I think two things. Um, my response when I have clients that tell me this, um, or like if my kid is telling me this, right? My first response is you need to have a conversation with the coach, right? I mean, you are the person on the team. You're old enough now. I feel very confident that even though it's an uncomfortable experience, I have never had a patient or a client who I have not felt comfortable to that they can advocate for themselves. I'm not saying that I don't appreciate that they're nervous to do so, but I feel like um, too many people underestimate, um, mm -hmm. you know, young adults. And so I think the first thing that um, they should do is have that conversation with their coach themselves. Like I, I am noticing that I'm not getting playing time and just really asking the specifics, like what metrics do I have to hit? Or, you know, what are you looking for? And you know, how can I, um, you know, how can I show you that I have what you're looking for, that sort of thing, right? So I think every parent um, should encourage their child to ha say something to the coach. And I always tell my clients and my kids, how your coach responds will give you the answer on where you fit on this team. I really, mm -hmm. and I feel that with my whole heart, right? So the, the caveat to that is, is that your young adult has to have somebody to talk that through, right? Because remember, they have a lot of mind reading. Um, they mm -hmm. may not like what they're hearing or they may process it inappropriately. So that's like exactly in line with like what you're saying. So they go, they talk to their coach, their coach tells them if they're confused, 
then they have that furthering discussion with their their parents like Mm -hmm. this is what I said and then the parents you know have that ability um hopefully to say oh I I think this is what they're saying exactly and like look you're you're able to um practice up against this person and you know you're gonna Mm -hmm. be able to increase your speed or your power or your you know all those sorts of things and at the same time I think you know if the response is you know from the coach is uneducated they don't respond they can't provide you with metrics um you know I think there lies a pivotal point with the individual right so because then they're not coaching you right and that's the purpose of them being there is to like coach you to try to improve or like coach you just as like a a human being and an individual to grow yeah like if they're dismissive non-committal they're not really like coaching you right and that's where I think it's tricky from a parent perspective and a provider perspective right because we in my generation, we grew up that you are not to give up on anything, right? You know, mm-hmm. stick, stick with it. Um, you know, it will only make you stronger. I know now that sticking in situations like that, that might not be giving you what you need, don't always give you resilience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so- that's, you know, the people pleasing, right? Sticking with a sport just because you're told like, oh, you should do it. And yeah, you're not. Then is that teaching a skill of like listening to yourself and listening to your instinct and being able to feel comfortable advocating for yourself? Are you just like going through the motions because you're trying to keep other people happy and meet other people's expectations? Yeah. I mean, that can, that in itself can be harmful. Yeah. So I think, you know, we as adults have like a really tricky situation because you can still leave something that no longer serves you and become resilient, especially Mm -hmm. if somebody has proven to you that they're not going to be able to help you get to your goal. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Say that again. You can leave something that you like, or you can end with something and still be resilient. I really like that. Yeah. 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 Sticking, sticking with it or pushing through that. You're right. That isn't an indicator of resiliency sometimes. Sure. Depending on the situation, but not always. Yeah. And I think the more that we can push our young adults to have these conversations and we can get more data or information, right. Consistent. And we can get the kids talking and the people talking. Then we see patterns. And if we see patterns, right, if we see the same patterns with the coaches, everybody here, I'm going to remind you, we pay taxes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and if you have a pattern where, you know, people are experiencing the same situation, that's when the community needs to get together um, and really kind of advocate for what the expectation for the community is. And maybe it is, you know, having conversations with the athletic directors, understanding, you know, what the high school goals are and that sort of thing. But you can't fight for those things or go after those things until you have the right conversations and the patterns. And I think that is the issue that I kind of, um, I see currently um, and kind of what I heard, right, was we have a lot of disgruntled families in the communities because of, you know, the experience 
Um, usually what happens is we have a few um, who will speak out, right? And mm -hmm. then there's an allowable behavior that kind of plays out year after year after year. So that's the tricky part. Hmm. I think the more we're talking about this, I'm like <laughs> uncovering things or I'm like, well, that could be helpful. Oh, no, wait, that might not be as helpful. This is really complicated. It is. Huh. Yeah. And wow. I can't, I know, and I can't stop to think because I have, um, I mean, I think that sports are, are great for, for everybody, right? And I think a lot of that is from my per personal experience. I got a lot from sports. I think mm -hmm. that we all, including me, make a mistake with just talking about sports because I think there's other clubs that are just as satisfying that you get just as much from like chess club, co there's coding clubs, theater, um, chorus, marching band. Can you imagine like marching, like, I mean, hearing some of those like no, uh, big no. instruments like I mean <laughs> yeah. it's like I a mean, big tuba intense, and, yeah right? it is right. yeah right and you're so, dedicated to do that yeah, yeah. you have a heart a, a good work ethic just yeah absolutely right like it teaches you you know to be on time and mm -hmm. to um, appreciate other people's like thoughts and ideas and work with people on a team like if somebody's sick that day you may have to kind of like step up a little bit um, mm -hmm. it teaches you how to communicate appropriately. I think it teaches mm -hmm. you how to have like big highs with wins and how to turn those lows, like with losses around, mm -hmm. like really kind of like help to, you know, manage your moods. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think because we know that they're so beneficial, I think that communities really need to take it more seriously. And I think, um, you know, if there are red glaring, um, you know, teams or schools or, you know, kids or things like that, that, um, you know, aren't really the most healthy or are not showing that they're following, um, you know, a protocol, I think, you know, we really need to advocate to, to make sure that we're giving our kids, you know, the best experience possible. Um, mm -hmm. and with that, I think every athletic director has a responsibility to make sure that they are hiring the right coach and that, you know, I am sure after a coach is hired that there's so much work that goes into that to make sure that, you know, you're monitoring like their communication, their best practices, um, mm -hmm. and all those sorts of things. But I think, you know, we do pay taxes. We have, we have to, and a lot of these parents, um, need to step up with, appropriate communication with their kids and uh, mm -hmm. within the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's the responsibility is a little bit on all of us. Right. And it's not like, okay, this person needs to do this or this person needs to fix this. But I think at each level, right. Like the student, the parents, the AD coaches at each level, um, there's things within their control to help this be a more positive experience. Definitely. Yeah. And really having the emotional intelligence, like you said, to understand like, Hey, I am moving into this role. You know, I'm going to coach, like, let's just say, I don't know, I'm going to coach women's lacrosse. And I know that there's, we've got heroes and we've got um, renegades. We've all these, you know, these clubs. And mm -hmm. I also have lots of people who aren't on these club teams. Right? Yeah. And so 
um, really understanding that for some, some of these people, like this is their only opportunity to play that sport and just being emotionally intelligent. Like I'm going to have people from all levels here. So this first at, on this very first day, I am going to come forward with what my expectations are, the metrics I'm looking for. I'm going to let everybody know, this is how many people we have trying out for this, um, team. This is how many people we're going to be taking. Um, this is what I'm looking for. You know, if you are cut from this team, it has nothing to do with your self-identity. Um, mm -hmm. These, you know, and then also letting them know, like if you got to see them for a couple of days at tryouts, not, you know, I'm sorry you didn't make the team, right? It's kind of like American Idol. I mean, I know it sounds really silly, but what I like about it is usually when they cut somebody, they tell them what they need to do and they always ask them to come back. Do you know what I mm -hmm. mean? Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, maybe, maybe that's because it's a TV show, but I think, you know, then you're leaving kids with tangible information. This is what you did well. Um, you know, this is what we would need you to do to come out next year. Or mm -hmm. maybe you have the conversation, like you're really fast. I'm not sure if you have the stick skills, you would be great at track. Do you know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, yeah, be, be the adult who can lift these folks up and um, point out the positives mm -hmm. um, instead of, miscommunicating or not communicating appropriately and causing a shitstorm um, with their self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> man. Okay. So I have so much to look forward to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> so I think, you know, today we kind of introduced um, this accessibility play gap and just kind of what's going on. I think everybody who's listened to this has probably had one side of all of the experiences. Our second part, we really want to kind of um, talk about how we can break this down a little bit more to give you all skills on how to kind of move through this. So if you don't have a high schooler yet, we're going to prepare you um, on how to move through it. Um, and if you do have somebody in, you know, high school, we're going to kind of talk about how we can get everybody to align together to make sure that we're building our folks up and, and helping with resilience um, as we move through this mental health crisis. Well said. So we will see you in two weeks, everybody. Thanks so much. See ya. Thank you everyone for joining us for our favorite hour of the day. We hope you enjoyed our latest podcast from Don't Be Foodish and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please help us by rating and reviewing. This allows others who have similar interests to find us. We'd also love for you to follow us and when you do that, you will be getting the episodes before they are broadcasted on our social media. If you have something that you are really interested in hearing or you'd like us to talk about, please feel free to give us a call at 301-580-0008. We will listen to your messages and hopefully be able to integrate that subject into one of our podcasts this year. Thanks so much and we'll talk with you soon.